This is an educational experience. For everyone involved. For everyone involved, yeah. Mm -hmm. I do think I've learned a lot on this uh, year-long escapade. I have so many pages of notes of things I didn't know nor ever felt I would need to know. I feel the same way. But I mean, I'm happy I have them. Watch right after we finish this, my computer crashes and I just lose all of it. (laughs) Knock on wood. Mm. There we go. Welcome to 2AM Thespian Thoughts. The show where the two of us break down shows and try not to break down ourselves. I'm Lucy Leahy. And I'm Jordan Spina. And you are joining us for the final episode of Spooky Season. I actually just looked back at our original notes and realized that the theme was actually Get Your Spook On. Um, <laughs> Where are you kidding doing me? It wrong the whole time. Yeah, and we might have even said that for the Pillow Man episode, but we filmed that so long ago that I really have no idea. I didn't even listen back to it, so I, yeah. Well, regardless. It's spooky. It's spooky, but that is spooky. Anyway, it's game week is what I'm getting at. And uh, we're going to make it happen. Yeah. We've each given each other three celebrities, and we have to guess what they would show up to our costume party in. So, uh, do you want to start? No. (laughs) Okay. I'll start then. The first... <laughs> Actually, can I just go through all three of mine? Because mm-hmm. they're kind of a set. Mm-hmm. All right? Mm-hmm. Lucy invited three celebrities to our mm-hmm. costume party. Mm-hmm. Um, the three celebrities that she invited, took the liberty of inviting, um, mm-hmm. was yeah. Alex Brightman, Cameron Dallas, <laughs> and Betty Buckley. <laughs> um, and it was my task to decide what they would wear to our costume party. And, and here's what I think. First and foremost, I think Mr. Brightman would show up to the party in a full-on, um, super uber-elaborate drag recreation of Norma Desmond from Sunset Boulevard. I don't know why I think that. I just think it's something that he would do. I think he's super committed, so that's why I think he would do it. He would be tucked, shaved, everything. It would be full-on, yeah, like, yeah, like sure. money was spent on this costume. Uh-huh. Cameron Dallas, on the other hand, and listen, I know you did this just despite me. Um, so I think he's the kind of guy who would show up to the party in just like a shirt that says, this is my Halloween costume. So um, a thousand percent. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he kind of ruined the vibe of it. And then Betty Buckley. I think she'd be a mix of the two. I think she would try not at all, but it would also end up being the most elaborate and an accurate recreation. I think she would show up in her original costume as Mrs. Miss um, Collins from Carrie. So, like, she would just pull the first thing that she had out of her closet because she didn't want to try, but yeah. it would end up being the best costume at the party because it would yeah. just, just picture perfect because it would be the actual costume, you know? Yeah. And that is my three celebrities. Your turn. Brilliant. So, the three lovely people that Sir Jordan Spino wrote out handcrafted letters to to invite mm-hmm. them to this amazing <laughs> Halloween party, um, Harvey Firestein, Angela Lansbury, and... Ben Vereen. Get into it. Fun! Okay, so we're going to start off with um, Miss Angela, actually. And I was thinking, like, 
you know, she's played some really iconic characters. I was like, we could pull out like a Mrs. Potts costume or she can revise like a Miss Lovett type beat. But for whatever reason, I was like, she would spend so much money to get Debbie Reynolds original costume from Halloween (laughs) Town and be Aggie Cromwell from Halloween Town. And, you know, I really dislike that you said that. I do. You know what? And I'm not. That's all. I'm not mad. All right. Yeah. And for whatever reason, like, I'm sensing that she already has, like, a broomstick that could fly in her closet, you know? Um, So she is very capable to pull this off. Next, I'm thinking, I'm going to talk about Harvey. I feel like he just got TikTok, you know? And, And he's looking around, getting his For You page all set together, and he's stuck on Reba TikTok. So you know what he's going to go as? He's going to go as Reba McIntyre. And the entire time, the entire time, a single mom works two jobs. I'm so mad that I didn't, that I, I wasn't the one who thought of that. That's perfect. But it would be in the Harvey Fireseed voice. It'd be, a single mom who works two jobs, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Thank you. Um, I think he should go as Roz, actually. That'd be good. That'd be good. And then lastly, Ben. I feel like Ben, he would take a, like a sack of potatoes, <laughs> use the sack because you know everyone has a sack of potatoes lying around their house. You take the sack and then like make a makeshift oogie boogie costume from the Nightmare Before Christmas, and then Bob Fosse's like group of just people because you know he has a group of people you know as as one as Bob Fosse does. And they all flood to the scene as they see him, like, leaving his house. And they're like, no, 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 no. And then they make him a Noogie Boogie costume. That's better. <laughs> May I just ask why you chose the Oogie Boogie Man? Like, what part What part of Ben Vereen's vibe gave off Oogie Boogie? Is it because he's a jazzy man? That... And I read that he sexually harassed four women. And so it reminded me of that scene where um, Oogie Boogie has Sally and like she sticks her leg out and he's like, oh. Wait, I didn't know Ben Vereen was, oh no. He sexually harassed four women in a production of that he was directing of hair. All right. Well, apologies everyone for including that name in our, he is not invited to the party. Sorry. Wow. All right. You learn something new every day. Um, (laughs) Next game. Yay. Good news, guys. The party was successful. Everyone had a ball. Mm -hmm. It was so good. Dolly Parton showed up. Yeah. Cher, too. She was giving Cher. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Basically, y'all, we're doing doing pitch a play, kind of. But it's more like pitch a revival. And it's pitch a specifically horror related revival mm-hmm. you know how people love to take shakespeare and be like it's in space now yeah, yeah. Or, oh my god you guys we're doing like it's gonna be like weird this we're doing like a we're p- putting that revival in the genre of horror to see mm-hmm. if it work mm-hmm. and then we're pitching it to each other um and i don't know at the end we'll i don't know just lucy's well, going whatever. first okay yeah i'm going first so we'll see how this goes so I think I've said this before on this podcast. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the musical Little Women. You know, I think it's a great story. Um, I'm like, I, I love the book. 
I love Greta Gerwig's adaptation, but I've never been a huge fan of the musical. I think one of the only like good moments is um is what is that song called? If you uh, say astonishing, I'm gonna flip the table. I'm like it's like better or something. No, um, no, no, no. It's the duet between Beth and Joe. Let's pretend we're riding on a car. Full disclosure, I haven't seen it or listened to it. So I'm so mad at myself. Um, long story short, that's like one of the only good words that I like in the musical. And she doesn't even remember what it is called. So yeah, no, that's that's really <laughs> sad. Um, so we, I think we all know the story of Little Women. You know, the four March sisters: Meg, Joe, Beth, Amy. Meg is the oldest. She wants to like do her duties. Joe is the writer and like defeats the paradigms of the time. And wants to be astonishing. And wants to just be astonishing. And also about Joe, everyone thinks they're the Joe. They're like, oh my god, am I the Joe? Am I the Joe of Little Women? And plot twist, they never are. They never are. They're always the best. They're, <laughs> They're always, always the best. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, and Beth is like the sweet, fragile best friend of Joe. And then Amy is annoying, impulsive, and like butts heads with Joe a lot. And so the musical starts off normally, you know, setting the exposition in a seemingly harmless way. However, there's a scene where Joe creates a story for them all to perform during Christmas because it's like the Civil War and they're like, we have nothing better to do. And so in the middle of putting on this show, the lights go off, we turn back on and Meg is stabbed. Oh, so you said murder mystery. (laughs) Yeah. So Meg is fully stabbed on the ground and we're like, oh my God. And what's like, what impaled her was the weapon that Amy was holding. And the girls are obviously terrified and they're like, what do we do? Especially because like, this was supposed to be a prop. Amy was holding it. What the heck is going on? But Amy denies killing Meg, even though it seems quite obvious. And the girls like try to leave the house, but the snow blocks them in. And the wood supply, (laughs) this is getting really dark, really bad. So the wood supply is running low and they look around the house and they try to find some wood, some like extra logs that they might have. And so they're looking around the house, and instead of finding wood, they find Marmy dead with Amy's drawing supplies stabbed in her. <laughs> anyway. Um, so once again, Amy denies this being her. And so then Joe and Beth lock Amy in a room in, a, in an attempt to stop these murders, because they're like, it's obviously you. And so then Beth starts to get cold and, like, sickly. And so Joe continues to look for wood. Amy wants to help and breaks out of the room and finds a bunch of wood locked away in a hidden area in the house and returns to Beth. And Beth is just like dead on the ground. And they're like, oh no, she died of hypothermia or whatever. And Joe returns (laughs) and sees Amy over the body. And Amy's like, I didn't do it. And Joe's like, yeah, sure. And she whacks Amy over the head. And then Beth pops up and is like, you know, I really don't think she did it. And she kills Joe. Then Beth writes a story from the perspective of Joe, who is a murderer and how she killed her entire family and like is her diary, quote unquote. And it's the story of these little women. And then act two starts. <laughs> and it's just the second act of Little Women, and then we act like nothing happened. Yeah. But like I want the I want the original Broadway cast and like no one nowhere in the marketing should it be told. Does it say? Like, no. <laughs> and that would be horrific. Oh my yeah. god, that's kind of it's kind of brilliant. That's that. <laughs> and and you said those words in that order out loud, <laughs> and they're going to be on the internet forever. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I I took a different approach. Not really. 
I actually didn't. Uh, I took the exact same one. I think one of the most famous pieces of theater with horror undertones that nobody notices is also one of the most popular ones. And I think it's so popular because it's very like fun and comedic, but there's like a lot of really dark and kind of gross stuff that happens in it that nobody ever acknowledges, which is why I, I have, um, I, I propose that we do a horror adaptation of a Midsummer Night's Dream and hear me out and listen to this. First of all, fairies right they were like originally conceived to be like these like kind of pagan demon-esque things right Mm -hmm. um so i think we can lean into that like kind of uh gremlin-y like high high like pointy ears high cheekbones bloody teeth maybe pucks like leprechaun from that horror leprechaun movie you know um i see it just like this really gross thing i i think i can see it also woods huge horror element we could lean into that Maybe there are spiders everywhere. I don't know. Um, Also, one of the scariest movie scenes ever to me is the scene in Pinocchio where that poor little boy turns into a donkey. Like it's so, it's so scary. Um, But it's like not scary when bottom turns into a donkey in Midsummer Night's Dream. No, let's make this, let's like, let's like show the transformation. Let's like go full the fly. Like let's get into it. And then this brings me to the biggest thing. The biggest thing that my biggest problem with Mr. My Stream is that there are, there's like this complicated love triangle and it's just solved by like a magic flower, which totally violates the whole like Pixar uh, formula for a good story where the characters solve their own problems and not just like coincidence, which is what happens here. And then there are those scenes where like Lysander like comedically forces himself on Hermia, which is gross. Um, and then just think about like these characters are being forced to pursue people that they are not interested in. And like in the case of Demetrius and Helena, like they end up together, but that's not their choice. That's the flower's choice. So how terrifying would it be if like the characters were aware of that? So while they're saying these words under the influence of the flower, like we can see in their eyes that they are not choosing to say these words, but it's just like yeah. happening for them. Mm-hmm. Like they are aware of it. That would be horrifying. Just in general, the atmosphere could be horror. Um, and then for the cast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen, mm-hmm. I as I cast this, I realize that it's not, it's more just funny than a horror. Um, okay. So let's like separate this from my concept, but like, this is a new, this is a new concept. But Midsummer Night's Dream cast, and I chose to cast it entirely with actors from famous horror movies, specifically as their character in that horror movie. So like age is not a thing here. Mm-hmm. In the role of Puck, I would cast uh, Robert England from Nightmare on Elm Street because he was Freddy Krueger. And I think Freddy Krueger and Puck are kind of the same character. Anyway, he hasn't been on Broadway, though. Um, in the role of Bottom, I would cast Jamie Lee Curtis from Halloween, but like the recent ones, just because I want to. And I think she'd be funny. Also, no Broadway credits. So let's get that fixed. Uh, in the role of <clears throat> Oberon, I would cast Tim Curry from It. Because obviously he's been in the Rocky Horror Show, Travesties, Amadeus, My Favorite Year, and Spam a lot. And the role of Titania, I would cast Sigourney Weaver from Cabin in the Woods. She's been in The Constant Wife, Hurly Burly, Sex and Longing, and Vanya and Sonya and Masha and Spike, which mm-hmm. you know that. Yes, and the role of Lysander, I would cast Matthew Lillard from Scream 
because he plays that like dorky character who ends up being like the serial killer. Oops, spoiler. <laughs> and in my mind, Lysander is like this like kind of like fun, nice guy who ends up being this just kind of gross person. Anyway, he's been in the 24 hour plays both in 2004 and 2006, Lillard. So there we go. Hermia, <laughs> I would cast your favorite, Thaisa Farmiga from AHS Murder House. I just uh, like the like final girl esque, beca- the, 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 the like this innocent character becoming corrupted by the men in her life. I don't know why I hate her so much. <laughs> I don't know either. I think she's great. Um, and she's been, she hasn't been on Broadway, but she was in the off Broadway production of The Buried Child. So there we go. Demetrius, I would cast Gong Yu from Train in Busan. Just assuming that this is like a multilingual production. Uh, also just because I want to. And also because I just watched Squid Game. Uh, and he was great in it. Even though he, his part was like really small. Anyway, Broadway credits, none. But he did get a degree in theater. So there we go. Helena, I would cast Gabori Sidibe from Hey Just Coven. No explanation. Oh, it would just okay. work. Um, and that's it. That's my cast. And there Brilliant. you go. Brilliant. It work. What can I say? What can I say? All right. Oh Moving on. Oh my God. Our final game, guys. It's our final game. Um, and uh, I, I don't know how we, how we explain this. I have chosen, I selected a Broadway musical and I have written a horror campfire story thing. Um, and I'm going to tell it. And I want Lucy to guess what musical I'm mm-hmm. retelling. <clears throat> can I, can I start? Yes, yes, yes. You already cleared your throat. So. Imagine we're at a campfire. Okay. It's like spooky. We're in the woods. <clears throat> the strange beast in the mountain had been terrorizing the town for quite some time when young Robert decided to leave the safety of his sweet home and make the treacherous track up the slope. The townsfolk had warned him such a trip spelled certain death, but Robert disregarded their worry. On a particularly foreboding evening, while the greedy shop owners and bumbling mayor and pestersome neighbors made matters worse down below, Robert and his friends began the long trip up the rocks. It was brutal. With every found foothold, the beast roared louder. With every yard progressed, Robert and his friends could feel its fiery breath. Though they couldn't see quite where it was, the beast's presence was all-consuming, prompting the wayward travelers to shiver in fear. Finally, young Robert reached the mouth of the beast's cave, gazing into its burning jowls and smoldering eyes. Luckily, he had his trusty weapon and subdued the monster with little effort. At last, the terror was past and the crisis averted. Or so he thought. For, as young Robert turned to look down the mountain, he saw his home down below in utter ruin. The cruel townsfolk had taken to ravaging each other, consumed with terror, and Robert could do nothing but watch from his helpless perch at the mouth of the monster's cave. He and his companions felt an impending sense of doom, understanding too late that the real monster had been lurking not in Fire Mountain, but in the familiar all along. Young Robert knew in his gut that he had seen the last of the cruel shop owner and bumbling mayor and pester for some neighbors, though he had never said a proper goodbye. Never again would he gaze upon their faces, and never again would he have another Krabby Patty. And that's all. SpongeBob? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because there's that scene where they climb at the volcano. Yeah. And they go to, like, throw the thing in, and and then they're like, oh, no. Robert. 
Yeah, because Robert's short for Bob, Mama. I know. Or Bob is short for Robert. Robert is not short for Bob. <laughs> I don't like how I agree to that. Uh, okay, cool. This is not. This is not as like creative. Oh well, um, that's your fault, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I know. Okay. I just felt the need. I, it was really for me, is what it was. No, 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 no. I get it. I get it. Okay. All right. Oh my god, that was so scary, Jordan. Wait, Lucy, do you have a scary so story? Scary. Oh, 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 oh! A branch I snaps do. in the woods. Ah! Ah! <laughs> no, my marshmallow fell in the fire. Okay. So there was once a girl who was madly in love with a boy. She spent her days dreaming of a world where they would live happily ever after as husband and wife. The girl spent so much time building up this fairy tale that she convinced herself it would happen. Even her friends and family were sure this was bound to happen. However, the only person she failed to convince was the boy. He rejected her, humiliated her, and left her. However, she didn't take this as a no. She believed that they were destined to be together regardless of what he thought. She followed him wherever he went learning his schedule, memorizing his social patterns. Eventually, he noticed her stalking habits and told her that he was in love with someone else. She went ballistic. The voices in her head told her to kill the girl so she can be with the man she loves. The voices were so insistent and so loud that finally she had enough, and she decided to take matters into her own hands and go to a salon. Well... (sighs) (laughs) Speaking of uh, past episodes and cult films and stuff, Legally Blonde, my, my, the question is Jennifer Coolidge in your version just like Bride of Frankenstein, just like full on, like evil yeah. scientist? I'll get your hair. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm spooked. Oh, oh. oh. Yeah. Was it obvious? No, I had no idea. Because I, I was also like the, the, um, the catalog of musicals about deranged women going to find their man because men write musicals and they all think women are like hysterical. Yeah. Um, it's, it's fast. So it really, I was at one point I was thinking even like mean girls and when she like hits Regina with a bus, like <laughs> I thought that might be like where you were going with it. Um, and I do always get mean girls and legally blonde confused for some reason. So I don't know. Yeah. Cause pink. Fun. Cause there's lots of pink in pink. both those shows. Pink. Wow. Well, thank you for telling me your scary story. I'm, I'm spooked. You're spooked. I'm, I'm still spooked from your spook. Well, gosh, well, consider us doubly spooked. Whoa, doubly spooked. If you have a scary story that you want to tell us, why don't you just send it to thespianthoughtspodcast at gmail dot com? Or like, if you just if you just want to give us a little spook and DM us, we're at Joy and Thespian Thoughts on Instagram. And please don't DM me creepy things, but. I am Jordan Dotspina. You know, what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to hop on that train and say, don't do that. But I am Lucy Dotleahy. Hey! You know. <laughs>